all we're here saying is that let's look at the numbers one more time. To go back uh, to where we started is wrong. Now on the news hour, nowhere near settled. A new report on the future of policing in Surrey further polarizes the city and the province. Plus, parking and access has been our number one uh, difficulty. Uh, it was a little bit of a kick in the gut. Collateral damage of a mega transit project with the wait to get back to business delayed, along with the Broadway subway line and. Don't be afraid if you don't speak English. There is someone at that end who can help. Making the holidays meaningful for refugee families with their loved ones a world away in war zones. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The polarizing debate over the future of policing in Surrey will once again be taking center stage at Monday's council meeting. As a new report aimed at reversing the transition from the RCMP requested by the province leaves a lot of questions unanswered, including the price tag and where more than 100 new recruits would come from. Julie Nolan has our top story tonight. All we're here saying is that let's look at the numbers one more time. Indeed, one more time. The debate is far from over regarding the future of policing in Surrey, with a report to be presented Monday outlining how to reverse the transition away from a municipal police force. The city of Surrey needs to do that. They said they'd get that uh, to me by the end of the, uh, the month. And also a plan is required from the RCMP in terms of how they would restaff. That plan outlines ways to keep the RCMP in the city after council voted to stop the transition two weeks ago. The report says Mounties will have to hire 161 additional officers, suggesting plucking recruits from the Surrey police force. But those union members expressed an overwhelming commitment to stay with the local force. The train has left the station and I believe this whole process is so far down the road you, you can't turn it around. Surrey City Councillor Doug Elford also takes issue with the money already spent at a cost of more than $100 million. But at the current state of funding for both forces, the report also says it will cost another $21 million more by the end of the year than originally forecast. Plus, no final number is given on the exact cost of stopping the transition. And so Elford says a complete story isn't being given. To go back uh, to where we started is wrong. I mean, the report is weak as it is. Former Solicitor General Kashid calls this new report lacking information and not credible and fails to help Surrey taxpayers understand the true costs. It's just going to certainly create more of a debate on what we should do in policing in a city that has so many issues around crime and public safety. Solicitor General Mike Farnworth concedes a significant amount of money has already been spent, but is awaiting Surrey City Council's next moves. The transition itself has been underway for, you know, the better part of uh, two years now. Uh, and so to unwind it is obviously a very complex undertaking and a lot of issues around that. Surrey City Council hears the report Monday in advance of a last vote on their plan on December 12th. From there, a final decision will have to be made by the province. Julie Nolan, Global News. 
A man with a lengthy criminal history has now been charged after video surfaced of Vancouver police using a beanbag shotgun during his arrest in Chinatown on Thursday. 29-year-old Jermaine Claudius Jr. Johnson is accused of two counts of uttering threats to cause death or bodily harm. The VPD says a suspect with a history of violence commandeered a taxi and threatened to kill the driver before officers forced the vehicle to stop. At one point, the suspect could be heard telling police to shoot him. Officers used the less lethal beanbag weapon to take the man down, and a police dog was used to further subdue him. Johnson, who has convictions for assault and spousal assault causing bodily harm, was released from custody on Friday. He is due back in court next month. Well, buckle up. Another big storm is about to hit Metro Vancouver and parts of the province's southern interior as we inch closer and closer to December. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with an early preview of what we can expect and where to expect it. Yvonne. Yeah, along the south coast, Sarah, that's where we're seeing very strong winds will start to pick up. We're still tracking rainfall, but there's actually a bit of a lull in the action. We can see that on the radar, but we're not out of the clear just yet. We'll be seeing the rain, but the big weather story along the south coast will be the winds. And for the interior, with this frontal system passing through, we're also looking at a significant amount of snow. Here's the first glance of what we're seeing in terms of our winds sustained, but we've already seen some gusts out of Tawasin over 50 kilometers per hour. The following areas, especially for the southern Gulf Islands, we could see those winds between 70 and up to 90 kilometers per hour. Most areas extending across the lower mainland will see the potential between 70 and gusts of up to 80 kilometers per hour. Snow, big weather story for the interior, 5 and up to 10. The southeastern corners could see up to 15 centimeters, and if you're traveling along the mountain passes, it's not recommended this evening. We're looking at the potential with up to 25 centimeters for most of the mountain passes. There is going to be a break on the way for the snowfall along the interior, but we're actually tracking snow for the south coast. I'll have that coming up shortly. Sarah? Okay, Yvonne, thank you. And what could be a sign of things to come? Strong winds in North Vancouver yesterday caused a large tree to fall and knock out power to over 2,000 customers. BC Hydro says the tree knocked down a power pole and a transformer and took down over 10 spans of wire about a kilometer long. At one point, there were about 2,100 people in the area without power. Crews worked throughout the day to make repairs, and the good news is the power has since been restored. With less than a month until Christmas, holiday shopping is ramping up. Today is Small Business Saturday in between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And this year, business associations say it's more important than ever to support and shop local. Many retailers are still recovering from the pandemic, of course. And as Kristen Robinson reports, it's a one-two punch for businesses along Vancouver's Broadway subway line, now facing more construction delays. Gene Gindon and the staff at his furniture and design store are doing the best they can to survive, with the Broadway subway line maintaining a huge hole outside their front door. Parking and access has been our number one uh, difficulty. Portside Interiors is one of a handful of businesses holding out in the heart of the construction zone. BC's Transportation Ministry says because the tunnel boring was affected by a five-week concrete strike in June, the finish line on the $2.8 billion project has been delayed to early 2026. It was a little bit of a kick in the gut. These businesses are already struggling. To tack on another six months after that uh, is going to impact them greatly. Small businesses are also facing increased costs and labour shortages, even as pandemic restrictions lift 
according to the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. These are really dangerous times for small firms, and, and the holiday shopping season is absolutely critical. Many retailers rely on the weeks before Christmas for a huge chunk of their annual sales. With street parking on the Broadway corridor stripped 24-7, the local BIA is helping secure back-of-store parking and even parking rebates for customers at participating businesses. If we had some more support from government, I think that could ease a lot of the pain. While Mount Pleasant remains open for business, merchants believe there should be some compensation for the impact of a five-year megaproject. It's extending past the original ETA. Uh, I feel like they've got to strongly change how they're approaching this for the businesses. Some of the businesses won't make it. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Just one week after Premier David Eby promised a BC Hydro cost of living credit for families and small businesses, scammers are already trying to make a quick buck off of British Columbians. Beware of texts like this one asking you to click on a link to receive the $100 hydro rebate. Do not click on any links. The one-time credit will be automatically applied to electricity accounts, and BC Hydro customers should see that in early December. All eligible residential and commercial customers including those who get their power indirectly from BC Hydro, will receive a $100 bill credit. Small and medium-sized businesses like restaurants and tourism operators will see an average rebate of about $500. The mystery is deepening tonight over the disappearance of an Okanagan man who vanished earlier this month. As Jaden Wozni reports, his loved ones are speaking out, pleading for any information on his whereabouts. It would mean everything to us if we knew that Joe was safe. Joe Driscoll is described by his sister as a people person who loves being around others. It's been 15 days since Driscoll was last seen after attending a concert in Kamloops. He does have, you know, demons and and whatnot, and these may have come out um, during the day of the 11th. Emma Driscoll says what she does know is that at some point on November 11th, Joe was stopped by police. He was in his vehicle, a 2016 black Ford F-350 pickup truck with another person. RCMP impounded the truck but did not make any arrests. What we do know is that when he was walking down Frontage Road, he was unwell. And that was right around midnight. According to Emma, Joe works in northern B.C. as an electrician. He's been in recovery for substance misuse for the last two years, but she believes he may have relapsed. He did not catch his flight back to work on Thursday. No matter what happened that day, I just want him to know that his family loves him, his family's proud of him, and his, his family wants him to come home. The Driscoll family is continuing to hold out hope that Joe returns home safe and they're asking anyone with dash cam or surveillance footage from Frontage Road the night of his disappearance to come forward. I would just want to tell him that I love him and I'm very proud of him and I I just miss him so much. We were supposed to spend Christmas together and I just want him to be home. The family offering a $10,000 reward for anyone who provides information to the Kamloops RCMP that leads to Joe's return home. Jaden Wozni, Global News. And police on Vancouver Island are asking for your help after a local church was torched in a suspected arson. The doors and windows on the Church of Latter-day Saints were damaged when Saanich police say somebody set fire to the building in the 700 block of Mann Avenue last Sunday. Anyone who was in that area between 9 and 10 o'clock at night on November 20th or who has dash cam footage is asked to contact investigators.
Abbotsford police are reminding the public to find a safe ride home after a frightening close call last night. Take a look at this. Abbotsford police responded to this scene after a vehicle veered off the road, crashing through a fence and into a backyard. Police say the driver was impaired and is now facing criminal charges. The good news is the homeowners were not hurt. A small earthquake was felt in some parts of Vancouver Island last night. The 4.9 quake was recorded northwest of Tofino just before 8 o'clock. You may have felt it yourself. It happened deep underwater, 34 kilometers to be exact. No tsunami warning was issued, and with that magnitude, none would be expected. Many people, though, say they felt it, including the area's MLA and former Tofino mayor. This time it was a a fairly big one, a 4.8 magnitude earthquake, and we all felt it. A lot of people around Tofino on social media or phone calls talking to each other, did you feel that? Some people felt a a sharp shudder or a crack or heard a, a booming sound, and it was a bit of a talk of the town. Well, it turns out working in a Vancouver COVID ward and helping out on the downtown east side has not been enough to allow a Mexican family to stay in Canada. They've been told to leave by Christmas. Travis Prasad has more on a campaign to allow them to stay in the city their children have grown up in. You won't see a typical holiday greeting on these Christmas cards. We're trying to remind uh, the minister of the holiday spirit. The cards read, let them stay. A message for the federal immigration minister as a family from Mexico faces deportation. We have our life here. We have our friends that they become as family, right? After their refugee claim was denied, Claudia Zamorano, along with her husband, mother-in-law, daughter and brother-in-law, are set to be deported on December 19th, five years after fleeing from what they call death threats from organized crime groups. They've applied for permanent residency on compassionate grounds and want to stay in Vancouver at least until there's a decision. This family's application for permanent residence has been in process for over a year. They've been waiting. Uh, this is around the time where those decisions could be made. Zamorano works as a housekeeper at Royal Columbian Hospital. Her husband works in construction and her mother-in-law, Letty, volunteers on the downtown east side, cooking meals for people in need. Our union of 50,000 members stands in solidarity with Claudia and her family and urges the Canadian government to let them stay. Earlier this month, the feds announced ambitious new immigration targets, adding up to nearly one and a half million people in the next three years. We are staring at one of the greatest economic opportunities of our time when people around the world are looking to move and Canada has become the world's top destination for people who are thinking of leaving their country of origin to pursue economic opportunity elsewhere. If the government thinks that we as migrants, as immigrants, are good enough to work, we should be good enough to stay. We've reached out to the Federal Immigration Ministry for comment. Meanwhile, Zamorano is hoping for a Christmas miracle, especially for her nine-year-old daughter. I want a safe life for her, a free life for her. Travis Prasad, Global News. A refugee family from Ukraine is thanking Burnaby firefighters for their help in getting much-needed medical equipment to Canada. The Motorenko family fled Ukraine but had to leave behind their son's medical equipment. Eight-year-old Mark has cerebral palsy and needs the equipment to get around. The family turned to MP Peter Julian, who called on the Burnaby firefighters charitable society to help. They raised the thousands of dollars needed to get Mark's medical equipment to Canada. And this is uh, very, how to say, uh, very, uh, the very it's good. a very big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah very it's big deal. very big deal for us family. And we very thankful all 
it's uh, I don't know how to say this is wow. This is a very happy moment for them, but I know that their, you know, that their thoughts are with all their friends and family back home, who are struggling and and who are living in circumstances that none of us can even can even guess. It. Mark is a grade three student now settled in and attending school in Canada. A new affordable rental housing building is open in Coquitlam as part of B.C.'s 10-year, $7 billion housing plan. The five-story Mountain View Suites on King Albert Avenue has 75 studios, one, two, and three-bedroom suites for families, seniors, and low-income earners, along with community space in an adjoining chapel. Rents range from $375 to just over $2,300 a month, depending on unit size and household income. The building will be owned and operated by the Community Renewal Society of BC and the United Church of Canada. It's only in partnership that we can deliver this housing. Partnership with the city, partnership with faith communities, partnership with other um, organizational groups, uh, as well as the province, that we can actually make a difference. The province invested $7.5 million in the project through BC Housing and will provide an annual operating subsidy of just over half a million dollars. The United Church provided the land while the city of Coquitlam also contributed $660,000 in funding. A Vancouver man had his life saved by a group of strangers last week, and now he's trying to track them down to say thank you. It was on November 18th at Burrard and Pender that Gary Minette went into cardiac arrest and collapsed on the street. Five bystanders rushed to help him, with one of them performing CPR. Doctors say without that, Minette might not have survived. Minette and his husband Johnny are now trying to track down those good Samaritans, especially the man seen here in the beige coat. Because he saved his life, Gary's life, and we're just so grateful, you know, and he did such a, even the, <clears throat> excuse me, even the cardiologist said he did an amazing job. And if it wasn't for him, who knows what condition Gary would be in. Next on the news hour, ready for their close-up. And I think it's just a great opportunity, something that I wouldn't be able to do at the moment uh, for myself. It does bring a lot of joy too. The picture-perfect pro bono holiday portraits making a comeback after a pandemic pause. Plus, centralizing Social conservatives protest in one of Vancouver's most progressive neighborhoods. Why these demonstrators are up in arms over a divisive storytime session. That's after the break. Concerning and somewhat bizarre scene played out in one of Vancouver's most progressive neighborhoods on Friday after protesters and counter-protesters clashed over a storytelling with drag queens event. Sexualizing children. This was the scene outside the Kitsilano neighborhood house yesterday afternoon. Multiple anti-LGBTQ plus activists protested outside the center during its drag queen storytime event. That spurred counter-protesters to then come out and push back. Global News spoke to two of the counter-protesters who asked that their names not be used, their last names that is. They said parents and children who arrived at the event were screamed at by the protesters. And they just mobbed these parents and their toddlers like they had to squeeze through these people who were screaming at them 
Um, it was horrendous. They were there to protect children, apparently, but all they did was scream at them. And they have attacked the LGBTQ2S plus community in a way that they haven't attacked other communities. And it's this like singular point of rage. Um, and it's so concerning. And I'm so, so worried about what's going to happen if this continues. In a statement on its Facebook page, Kitts House says it's proud to be a welcoming and safe space and that it has zero tolerance for hate speech or discrimination. There were nothing but smiles today as people lined up on the downtown east side for pro bono holiday portraits. The idea was to give them a chance to look their best and send a photo to their family over the holidays. Paul Johnson was there for the return of a heartwarming annual tradition. I was a little nervous, but I was a little happy at the same time. There we go. Oh, where's your face? Who wouldn't get butterflies out in front of the cameras with a setup like this? Though for Karaya Feliz, it was all worth it in the end. It made me look really good. I think it turned out amazing. Indeed it did. Even in the age of casual selfies everywhere, there's something special about the extra time and technique in having your portrait taken. And if you didn't quite have the cash this holiday season, there's no better deal than the Help Portrait Program happening Saturday at the Union Gospel Mission, where they seem to be getting everyone's good side. Many, many, many years ago. It's been a very long time, so I thought I'd decide to try it out. And- Originally from Sudbury, Keith Ward wanted to show the family back east that he's holding up pretty good these days. I'm still young and a rock star. <laughs> Who'd argue with that? Help Portrait had to be cancelled the last couple of years because of COVID, making these snapshots in time all the more precious. The community has been missing this, and they're so glad to come back just in time for Christmas. Feliz Navidad. I'm always happy. Since her last name is actually Feliz, Yandira's got plenty of reasons to get that portrait with Karaya to share with family elsewhere. Just, you know, keep us in your prayers. Things have been going pretty well for us, and we want to continue it that way and just sending love and positivity to them. In East Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. Picture perfect. Coming up, an explosive inquiry and its fallout. The measures taken for dealing with the emergency were proportional, effective, time-limited, and charter-compliant. But not everybody agrees with that. Far from it. What is next in a highly public hearing over the invocation of the Emergency Act? Plus, it was later determined that she came across the male suspect who was pretending to be in medical distress by the side of the road. A bizarre and terrifying incident for a mother and her toddler in Manitoba. How police allege a kidnapper gained his way into their vehicle through deception. That's after the break. RCMP in Manitoba are investigating a terrifying incident involving a 25-year-old woman and her toddler. They are both safe tonight after they were allegedly abducted on the side of the highway, highway rather, near Portage La Prairie while trying to help a man who appeared to be in distress. The victim and the male suspect were not known to each other. It was later determined that she came across the male suspect who was pretending to be in medical distress by the side of the road. She stopped her vehicle to assist, at which time he got into the vehicle and demanded that she drive him to Winnipeg. This was an extremely difficult situation, and we would like to acknowledge the victim who did everything she could to keep herself and her child safe. 
Police are now on the hunt for this man, 62-year-old Michael Stephen Klimchak of Winnipeg. He's believed to be in the city after fleeing the victim's car last night. He's wanted on numerous charges, including kidnapping and forcible confinement. Well, the facts and the testimony are in, but the Emergencies Act inquiry is far from over. Lawyers are now arguing over what six weeks of grueling testimony actually means and how it should be interpreted. As David Aiken explains, it's a key step in examining the government's invocation of the Emergencies Act last winter. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was the last of nearly 70 witnesses to testify at the Public Order Emergency Commission. But the commission's work is far from done. Now, lawyers and experts are pleading their case to the commission. The measures taken for dealing with the emergency were proportional, effective, time-limited and charter-compliant. But that opinion from the Government of Canada has many opponents. First, that they interfered with provincial powers and second, that they infringed on the rights of citizens. Civil liberties groups raised the alarm that the Trudeau government's actions could make it easier for future governments to violate the rights of Canadians in the name of an emergency. The freedom of no one is safe unless the freedom of everyone is safe. We urge the commission to bear this tenant in mind as it examines what the government did and considers what future governments may do. And a lawyer representing a group of the Ottawa convoy protesters argued Trudeau should lose his job. If there ever was a time for a prime minister to step down, now is that time. And yet, a poll done in mid-October found that most Canadians, about two-thirds, think otherwise. In fact, they think that Trudeau's decision to invoke the Emergencies Act was the right call. And a majority in every region of the country held that view, even if it was a narrow majority in Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba. The next phase of the Commission's work begins Monday, with more than 50 experts and academics ready to give their advice on everything from criminal law and policing powers to freedom of expression and even cryptocurrency. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. Premier David Eby will be making another big announcement this weekend, this time on health care. Eby will outline plans to recruit more doctors to BC tomorrow afternoon. The province continues to struggle with a shortage of family doctors. Last month, the province announced a seismic shift in the way doctors will be compensated, including getting paid based on time spent with patients and how many patients they have. Coming up, asking Santa for help during a difficult season for many. How you can make the holidays a bit brighter for local families and the quest for sponsors from an organization working to do just that. That's coming up after weather with Avon. Stay with us. Come back and just before we get to weather, a quick programming note for you tonight. For 35 years, Rise for BC's Kids, formerly known as the Miracle Weekend, has shared the extraordinary stories of kids, families and healthcare experts of BC Children's Hospital. Join us tonight as we rise up against childhood illness and support kids around our province who need our help. Tune in tonight after the news hour from 7 to 11 p.m. for Rise for BC Kids right here on Global BC.
And Yvonne joins us now. A great night to stay inside and watch the telethon, perhaps, Yvonne. Yeah, it's a great night to stay indoors this evening. And the big weather concern that we're having is we're still tracking some rainfall, but the potential is there that we could see some power outages with this frontal system that is pushing in. We've got a bit of a lull in the action. We can see that towards the west end. The rainfall still working its way towards the Tri-Cities. We're seeing it across the island, and there's still one more wave of rain that we'll be tracking for us across the lower mainland before it really does start to ease off through the day for tomorrow. A few of the spots right now where we're seeing the current winds. We can see that out of Tawasson, 46 gusts though, up to 56 kilometers per hour. Abbotsford right now, we're seeing those winds up to 30. Areas near Howe Sound, just over 44, and we have the potential, 70 and up to 80 for a few areas, or most areas rather, blanketing the lower mainland. It's the southern Gulf Islands that could see some of those winds with gusts of up to 90. So the big concern, especially as we get in towards this evening, will be the potential for power outages. We'll track it all the way in towards midnight and then eastern areas and extending into the Fraser Valley. We'll still see very windy conditions overnight before it tapers off by tomorrow morning. We've got a blanket of the weather statement that is in effect and we're seeing the potential for some snowfall, 5 and up to 10 centimetres for most areas, central and southern interior. The southeastern corners, though, with the snowfall warning near Fernie could see between up to 15 centimeters and the winter storm warning that is in effect. So now if you're traveling along the mountain passes, the big concern, Allison, the Coquihalla, the Kootenai Pass will all be included within that could see 15 and up to 25 centimeters, so very heavy snow. We're also looking at those winds picking up with gusts of up to 50, the potential for blowing snow. So the winter storm warning that is in effect for the mountain passes is overnight or this evening, overnight, and then it starts to taper off. A bit of a break if you're planning on traveling along the mountain passes will be through the afternoon tomorrow. Wanted to give you a heads up. We've got a lull in the action on Monday. This is just a look ahead, and it's Tuesday, Wednesday. We've got this cold Arctic air that's moving in across the province. The ingredients are there, and and the potential for some snowfall will be looking ahead towards Tuesday, Wednesday. So stay tuned through the day for tomorrow. We're just looking at a few showers in the mix through the afternoon. Bit of a break along the north coast. We're still seeing that snowfall through the central interior with windy conditions. It's the mountain passes. So once again, not recommended travel this evening. It'll taper off to flurries through the day for tomorrow. Across the island, we'll still hang on to a fair bit of cloud cover. It's a chance of showers across the lower mainland as well. And then it does start to ease off. Bit of a breeze or very windy conditions this evening. Still bit of a breeze for tomorrow. And then we've got the potential for a few flurries for Monday morning. Heads up Tuesday, Wednesday, Sarah. We ah. can see the potential for some snow. It's just a heads up right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I think that is almost December those days, right? So yes. it's going to start feeling a lot like Christmas pretty soon. Okay, yes. thanks so much, Yvonne. Could be a white Christmas. <laughs> The Langley Christmas Bureau is looking for sponsors as it experiences greater demand than usual this year. Sponsors are paired with a family who they provide food for and other necessities if they so choose. Parents can once again fulfill their kids' wish lists at the Bureau's toy shop, which is making a return this year. Definitely seeing an increase this year. When I left yesterday, we had 864 families registered for um for help, and because our program goes till December fifteenth, um, already um, we know we've surpassed last year's numbers. So last year was seven hundred and eighty-seven families. So already we've surpassed, and we expect to, you know, possibly go as high as a thousand. It's it's hard to say, but definitely the numbers are higher. A great cause if you can contribute. Barry Delay, good to see you. Good to see you.
Uh, Canucks tonight playing yes, a game? they are. They've been in Vegas hmm. for a couple of days after their win Wednesday. Hopefully they didn't have too good of a time because they got to play tonight <laughs> uh, against nice. the Golden Knights. We'll hear from Bruce uh, Boudreaux ahead of uh, face-off on that one. And Canada, of course, plays Croatia at the World Cup tomorrow. We'll have a story on the only BC-born and raised player on uh, John Herdman's team coming up as well. Very cool. What happens in Vegas does not always stay in Vegas, so we'll see what happens mm, we'll tonight. See. Thanks so much, Barry and Yvonne. Coming up at Christmas, far away from home. They understand that it will be very hard winter in Ukraine uh, without heat, without electricity and so on. So, Making the holidays meaningful for local refugee families this year, even with loved ones a world away in war zones. That's after the break. Stay with us. As Ukrainian refugees settle into their new homes in B.C., some are bracing for their first Christmas away from home as well and their loved ones since the war began. Ukrainians will try to celebrate this Christmas with hope uh, that uh, next Christmas after that will be, there will be no war. For many, the holidays are times to spend with loved ones. But this year, for Ukrainians who fled their war-torn country, the days leading up to Christmas will look and feel very different. Men uh, uh, that can serve in the army, they are not allowed to leave the country. So there are a lot of single ladies uh, with kids here. Uh, uh, sorry. So, uh, um, obviously, they miss their husbands and fathers. Some refugees who fled Ukraine did so without their family, making this Christmas a tough one to celebrate. Uh, of course, every day I'm thinking about home because the part of my family stay in Ukraine. So, and uh, sometimes I feel guilty because so I'm in warm space with the light and everything. I love Christmas, I love decorating trees. So being here alone, it will be hard. And thinking about everybody at home, it will be hard. For Danilova, these days have been difficult on her, with her family still in Kyiv and conditions only getting worse. So for like a couple of days, there was a total blackout with no water, no electricity and no connection. So yeah, but they are okay now and uh, yeah, I wish they were here with me. <laughs> the Kelowna Stands with Ukraine organization is urging the community to support Ukrainians in any way they can because that support will not only help refugees here in the Okanagan, but also those in Ukraine. People in Ukraine will really appreciate it. Like I uh, see the, I know the stories when uh, people sleep uh, at the snow because uh, their uh, houses are bombed out and uh, so on. So uh, it's very difficult. In Ukraine, Christmas is celebrated on either December 25th or January 7th. And the Kelowna Stands with Ukraine organization plans to hold a celebration in January. They are also holding a toy drive every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Ukrainian Orthodox Church from now until December 13th. Victoria Famia, Global News, Kelowna. After the break, Barry's back with sports. Stay with us. Be part of the BC Cancer Foundation's Beyond Belief campaign. BC is at a critical turning point in cancer research and care. With your help, the potential is beyond belief. Your gift will advance cancer care innovation and bring it to every British Columbian. Donate today at gobeyondbeliefbc.ca. Celebrate the season in Steveson Village. Head to Winter in the Village and take part in activities for the whole family, including holiday light displays, a visit with Santa, and lots more festive fun all month long from December 1st through 31st. Our BC is brought to you by Preventable and ICBC. Yellow lines don't look out for pedestrians in low light. You do. 
Let's keep it preventable. Welcome back. Barry's back. Big game for the Canucks in Vegas. Yeah, we'll it is. I know there's still uh, 62 to go, but everyone is so big <laughs> for them. They need to get on a little roll just mm-hmm. to kind of elevate in the standings a bit. Thanks, Sarah. The uh, Canucks have won three of their last four with that only loss, that third period blown lead Monday to Vegas. Canucks have been in Vegas for a couple of days and will play the Golden Knights again tonight. Spencer Martin starts in goal. Thatcher Demko will start tomorrow in San Jose. Canucks are playing better hockey of late and have also been been a bit fortunate. A lot of teams in the West are hovering around 500, meaning Vancouver is only five points out of the final playoff spot right now. I looked at it this morning, nine teams within um, three points. So, I mean, you have a good weekend and you're, you're right there. So I think that excitement alone, you know, from where we were to now is, is, is very positive news. NHL today, Oilers and Rangers from New York. Edmonton was down 3-0 after two, which the Canucks probably liked, but they didn't enjoy this huge comeback. Evan Bouchard got his first two goals of the season. That one made it 3-2. And then Dylan Holloway, the Oilers' first rounder from 2020, fires his first career NHL goal, goes posting in past Igor Shesterkin. It's 3-all. Oilers finally getting some secondary scoring, but on a late power play, the big boys Light the lamp. McDavid to Nugent Hopkins to Leon Dreisaitl. Strong on the stick. His 12th. Oilers with a big 4-3 comeback win versus the Rangers. Flames also playing a matinee in Carolina. Second period tied at 1. Carolina taking the lead on the power play. Martin Natchez with his 10th. 2-1 Carolina. But the Flames get it back. In transition after the turnover, Jonathan Huberto springs the former Canuck Tyler Toffoli. And he will rip it past Antti Ranta. Toffoli 7th, 2-2 after 2. But third period, another Canes power play, and they cash in again. Brent Pesci with his first of the year. Canes edge the Flames 3-2. Canucks with a chance to at least gain some ground on Calgary tonight. Canada plays Croatia tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock our time at the World Cup. They need at least a draw to keep their hopes alive to advance to the knockout stage. Croatia is a quality side. They were the runners-up at Russia 2018. And, of course, they are likely even more motivated to beat Canada after Coach John Herdman's controversial F Croatia comment blew up in the media. Canada needs to be at its best to have a chance to win. Just be ready, ready to play a match against this type of opponent, an opponent that can really dominate possession and and have been to the big the big stage on a number of occasions now. So we know they've got good experience and we know that uh, they have to take three points as well. So it's just going to be a great contest. Now, Team Canada has some BC connections. Alfonso Davies, Sam Etikubi and Lucas Cavallini have all played for the Whitecaps. But there's only one BC-born and raised player on Canada. It's Alder Grove's Joel Waterman, who likely won't see playing time in this World Cup. But the fact that he's even on the team and on the roster is an amazing story. He did not take a typical path to our national team. He was playing university soccer at Trinity Western just a couple of years ago. And now he's on soccer's grandest stage. Asa Raymond has his story. A fresh face, but never out of place. That's been the story of Joel Waterman's soccer journey. Every level, you know, he, he, he kept, you know, getting, getting better and better even after he was, you know, in his 20s, which doesn't usually, you know, happen. So we were, you know, at every level we got surprised. We were surprised, surprised, surprised. And then it became a point when 
he went to Montreal and we were going like, man, this is a, like, this is just crazy now, right? The remarkable road to Qatar for the 26-year-old has been paved by many. And he's the only player on the Canadian men's national team born and raised in B.C. Very proud. You know, just to have that peace. Like I said, you know, he was here in Aldergrove. He went to Langley to play soccer. He went to Surrey, Trinity Western. So there's that whole journey. Lots of uh, teammates, coaches, peers, friends. So, yeah, just to have that small piece, it's quite neat and exciting. We all know that uh, soccer development or football development is not linear. Um, there's, you know, you, th- there's various paths. I mean, Joel's path is uh, a testament to our university system. Um, you know, he would have developed extremely well with Trinity Western in that program. Joel also played locally with TSS Rovers before going to Calgary to join the Foothills USL team, which would then form Cavalry in the Canadian Premier League. Back of the net! Easy as can be, it's Joel Waterman. His play with Cavalry was eye-catching, and in 2020, he became the first CPL player to transfer to MLS when Montreal brought him in. He's become an imposing figure on the pitch, but even at a young age, coaches noticed Joel's potential despite his shortcomings. I say he was tiny, um, and uh, but he had such great skill and just a desire to learn. You can see it early on, it was just he was tiny initially, so it took a while for him to gather all those skills. And when he grew, everything kind of came together for him. Whether Joel gets onto the pitch or not in Qatar, getting the call to the national team for the World Cup is a moment his family will never forget. It was very emotional and we were almost ready for bed thinking maybe he's not going to phone that night. And then the call came. So it was uh, one of those moments you'll definitely remember for, for life, eh? Oh, yeah. It was pretty special. Great story. We'll be looking for Joel. World Cup action today. Lionel Messi in Argentina taking on Mexico. Argentina trying to recover from that shocking 2-1 loss to Saudi Arabia in their opener. Second half, it's Messi. Quick touch, finds the corner, perfectly placed left footer. 1-0 Argentina, and then they will seal the deal. Enzo Fernandez bends it past Guillermo Ochoa, and Argentina win it 2-0. It was a must-win for them, and they came through. All right, Davis Cup semifinals from Spain. Canada taking on Italy. Denis Shapovalov lost the first singles match in a three-hour-plus marathon. But Felix Oje Aliassim got Canada back on even terms, taking out Lorenzo Musetti 6-3, 6-4. So it came down to the decisive doubles match with Felix teaming up with Vancouver's Vashik Pospisil. First set went to a tie break. Felix serving. And then he will take care of the point with a pair of great overheads. And Canada took that first set 7-6. Second set on serve at 5-all. But Oje Aliassim's return is just perfect. Just bites the back of the baseline to get the break. And Canada is going to the Davis Cup Finals for the second time in three years. They lost to Spain last time. They meet Australia tomorrow looking for Canada's first ever Davis Cup title. NBA tonight, Fred Van Vliet back in the lineup. Raptors and Dallas Mavericks from Toronto. Van Vliet leading the way offensively as usual. Steps back, hits the three-pointer. He had 26 along with OG Ananobi to lead the way. Raps led 81-72. Montreal's Chris Boucher really producing with Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes out with injuries. Throws down the alley-oop dunk courtesy Van Vliet. 90-85 Raptors. Tight game late, but it's more from Boucher who hits the tough shot as the shot clock runs out. Draws the foul. 22 points, 13 rebounds off the bench. Raps win it. 105-100. They're now 10-9 on the season. And last night, 
North fans Connor Bedard made his first ever appearance as a Western Hockey Leaguer in his home province. Pat's taking on the Vancouver Giants. Bedard at his moments, races in, but Jesper Weichmann with the great save there. Bedard was held to just one assist, a nice setup here. It extends his point-scoring streak to 22 games as he sets up Tanner Howe. 3-0 in the final, Pat's win in front of a sellout crowd at the Langley Event Center. Bedard and the Pats in Victoria tonight in a game that's just underway, and that one is also sold out, and we're told... The game in Kamloops and Kelowna also sold out. Prince George, there might be a ticket or two, but he's good for okay. business, Connor. No kidding. We'll <laughs> yeah. see highlights hopefully from that tonight. So. Yes. Okay, awesome. Uh, coming up, sports is not over. Really? We will show you a whole new definition of eagle on the golf course after the break. Stay with us. <laughs> Welcome back. Okay, recording an eagle on a golf course is kind of a big deal, but what about when it actually is an eagle that appears to be <laughs> playing golf? That is what's happening in this video that we're about to show you. Here it is, sent in to us by Jenny Miles. It shows an eagle picking up and pushing around golf balls on the putting green at the Sandpiper Golf Course. This was this morning near Harrison. No word on whether the beautiful bird was able to eventually get in the hole or record a birdie <laughs> instead. <laughs> but nice a, done. Oh, that's cute. As Barry and I were saying earlier, you probably, it probably thought, thought it, was, it was eggs. You thought it was an egg. Yeah. Hard-boiled, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute regardless. A quick look at weather, Obama, before we go. Big concern this evening. We're looking at the potential for power outages. We've got the winds seeing those gusts anywhere between 70 and up to 80 kilometers per hour. And a significant amount of snow along the mountain passes. Not recommending to travel there. We will see a nice break, though, through the day for tomorrow. And then a heads up. Tuesday, Wednesday, we could be seeing the ingredients are there. We could be tracking some snowfall, even for Metro Vancouver. Okay, get ready. Thanks so much. That's all for us this evening. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you right back here at 11. Good night.